Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. I'm Tom. And I'm Dave. We are sitting here today to talk about a few things. The biggest thing we want to talk about is gas motors. Yeah. Um, converting them from weed whackers, setting them up, all that fun stuff. But before we get into it, Dave and I went on a tri-motor flight a couple weekends ago. Dave, what do you think? Oh, it was very cool. Wasn't it? Yes. So I actually sat, or sat in the right seat in the front because... I said beforehand, mm-hmm. if I ever get to do it again, That's I'm going to spend the extra do. money and do it. It was worthwhile. Like, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to fly it, though. No, no. I feel much better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel as though he would have been okay, like, not letting me crash or anything. But yeah, like I said, the first time I flew it, the guy that was up in the right seat said he got to fly it. So I'm a little jealous. But uh, The first time you flew on it, you mean? First time I flew on it years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah. So, whatever. You yeah. know what? This pilot was a jerk, I guess, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted Still a cool experience. Oh, it was. So, I want to play a little bit of audio okay. from uh, the flight so you can hear what the, the motors sound like. And I want to compare it to what the three motors for our okay. RC version are going to sound like. Dave, are you okay with reliving this moment? I know it wasn't a great experience for you. Oh, I'm fine. Okay. I'm fine. All right. And we'll get to why it wasn't a great experience. It's not like bad thing. But okay, so here we go. Hold on. Here's the real one. It just has such a cool sound to it. It's so sweet. Okay, now, here's what we're doing. Still brings a smile to my face. I still think it sounds good. And that's going to sound much better in real life when it's on an airplane. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait to hear what this thing sounds like. So you said, by the way, Dave didn't have a very good experience. Um, Well, that's what Dave... Well, he didn't tell me that, but... Based on the conversation you two were having about your flight. Well, it wasn't an awful experience. Um, I just got to sit in the very, very far back of the plane. And um, there was a lot of exhaust fumes gathering up in the back of the plane to the point where I started to get a little nauseous. So it's Mm. like it's time for this flight to end. See, I noticed that too at the very beginning when when they started up the, uh, the front motor, the nose motor. At idle... You could smell a lot of like gas and a lot of uh, exhaust fumes and all that stuff kind of coming in. But once they started moving, once the plane started moving, and the windows were completely open in the front on the sides and stuff, all that just kind of went out of the airplane. So I was like, "Cool, it's going to be." It all went to the back of the airplane. It went to the back. (laughs) Went to the back, which is weird because the first time, of course, I was back there with the restroom too. So (laughs) there was no toilet in there, by the way. (laughs) No, but there was toilet paper. There was. Um, But the last time when we flew on that. I did not smell any of that. So I don't know if the vents were open differently or or what. But. It, it changed throughout the flight. I think it's, um, I don't know how the air pressures went through the cabin or whatever, but there were times where it was perfectly fine back there. And then there were times that it's like, oh my God, I think I'm in the garage with the door open or the door closed. <laughs> Ooh, not good. Yeah, it, it was pretty, pretty bad at the very beginning, like I said. But once we got moving, I didn't notice anything about it. So mm. it was just weird. But the flight itself was great. Yeah. yeah. It's... I don't fly often. Like, this was three or four. I don't remember. I don't actually get up in the air very much. I'm not used to that feeling of 
going from like negative half G to positive one and a half G's <laughs> in like a split second. And it was just like, it was fun. Awesome. But every time it happened, I'm like, oh, sh- oh shoot, you know. So you <laughs> I, would not I have enjoyed myself. the flight I took with the Red Baron team. If I could, if I could just get myself used to the fact that that's okay. And the first thought that comes to my mind isn't we're going down. I would be okay. <laughs> so like, I, I don't know. And what did you fly you just, on that one? Uh, we went up with the Red Baron uh, steerman team. There was three aircraft, oh, um, open cockpit. That would be fun. It was great. Uh, the thing that concerned me the most, uh, and we flew an f- aerobatic routine. Uh, oh, I, I don't the, know if I could do that. The thing that concerned me the most, though, was the other airplane 10 foot away from me. Yeah. Yeah. That is like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> You're too close. You're a little too close for the comfort. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so cool, though. It, it was. was an amazing experience, though, flying a, a demonstration routine with the Red Barons. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> So how do they clean the puke off of the cockpit of the guy behind you? That would be, that's what I want to know. Well, when we landed, the pilot up front said, did you lose something in flight? I was like, no, no. Well, something came back and hit me in the head. Come to find out it was my name tag. Oh, Oh, so you did. Okay, so you actually did lose something. Yeah, I did lose something, but uh, he thought I'd lost a camera or something. So at least it wasn't your lunch. Yeah, it wasn't spittle. It wasn't Arby's from the the morning. What? Spittle. Well, yeah. Really? What do you, what? Gross. Saliva? Well, I mean, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was our tri-motor flight. I, I I thought it was a lot of fun. I took a lot of pictures this yes, time knowing we're going to be building it. And I appreciate that because um, I wasn't there. Yeah, that's that sucked, but that's okay. That's okay. The thing that really got me about this airplane is how simple it's going to be to build. I mean, like the way things fit together, like where I was concerned is how are we going to or how are we going to get the corrugation around the rear stab at the fuselage, you know, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Right. It literally There's gaps. Yeah, yeah, there's just gaps in the real airplane. Yeah. So this should not be no. difficult at all. I don't have to worry about perfect fitting. Tight tolerances like are not an issue. No, yeah. Not, yeah. not on and, the skin anyway. No, and the skin on this one, like the real one that we flew on, was really messed up too. It had like a bunch of like yeah, golf had... ball dents in it and stuff. I don't know what did you notice that, Dave, or not? Oh, yeah. All, all airplanes have dents and dings in them. Uh, didn't make me feel too great, but <laughs> <laughs> I figure it's old, so it hasn't crashed yet, yeah. so we'll roll I the did. dice. I got to see it. I got to see it fly. Like, yeah. I saw it flying around town while I was grocery shopping with Lori, but... Lumbering around the sky. Lumbering is a good... Yeah, that's a good description. That's what it looked... You know, and what? it was windy that day, too, so... Yeah, when yeah, I Cessna that. goes blasting past you. When, yeah, when, <laughs> whenever he... Uh, Whenever he turned it into the wind, yeah, you could definitely tell that it was windy up there. I, I told Dave, so I'm not used to being at real airports either. You know, I'm used to the RC field and stuff. And as we were watching it, because we watched it do a flight before we went up in it and stuff. So we watched it take off. We watched it fly away. And I told him, I'm like, I keep thinking, who is flying this? They need to get closer. You're not going to be able to tell your orientation. Because I'm so used to seeing an airplane nice. in the sky that you're controlling. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <clears throat> must be Reggie. Wow. <laughs> ah, got another dig in. Speaking of Reggie, by the way. So he called me after our last episode came out. We were talking about how we started the podcast and stuff, and mm-hmm. I don't honestly remember. He has it in his mind that it was his idea. 
Okay. Do I, tell. Well, I that's Go pretty on. much about it. He because he said something about, oh, I was the one that told you about podcasts and what I was listening to and stuff. And then I said, there's not a lot of RC ones. Maybe you should do one. I don't remember that. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah, I know you weren't there because he was. it was at work. He so. stepped into my office when we were talking stuff. But I I don't remember that. So I, I can honestly say, though, when you approached me about doing a podcast, um, Reggie was never a part of that conversation. Yeah, I know. So I don't. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like I the first podcast. I can't say one way or the other. The, the first time I was ever really exposed to a podcast was when Serial uh, came out. And that was like 14 or 15. So I'm pretty sure I knew about podcasts before Reggie told me about them. But anyway, I know he is sitting listening to this right now and just getting more and more upset with me for not agreeing with what he said. So this is <laughs> Reggie. There you go. I don't know if it was your idea or not. So, Which, by the way, uh-huh. if you have not gone out and seen the new Top Gun movie. I have not. Reggie says we all need to go see it like as soon as we can't. Does he? Man. Yeah, I got, I got that phone call last night. Yeah, me too. I'm actually set up for a four o'clock IMAX this afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's mad at me because he hasn't said anything to oh. me about it. Yeah, he, he called me know. at, uh, it was quarter after nine last night to tell me that I had to go see this movie. Is it? See, I don't know. Apparently it's I'm, pretty good. I, I mean, will see. I'll I like probably the first see, one, so. I'll probably see it when it comes out like on Amazon Prime or something like that. I'm not a big theater fan. Plus I just, I don't know. I like going to movies, but I have a hard time sitting still for that long. Well, the problem with, and I'm sure this one's going to be the same way, just because of how everything goes with movies nowadays, is they're not realistic. Yeah, I mean, like, there's so much, sure. so many liberties taken where it's like, okay, that just, that got stupid really quick. Yeah, I'm and, sure there's probably that feature to this yeah. movie as well. But I have a hard time just letting reality go and getting lost in fantasy for a while. But we'll see. Hmm. That and I'll say something that's probably not very popular. I don't like Tom Cruise. He annoys me. Yeah. So that's a bad thing, too. Why is that? Well, because he's in the movie. Well, but I mean, you can dislike somebody and still like the way they portray an act or portray no, I mean, a like, character in a movie. I don't mean like personally don't like him. I just mean as an actor, I've oh, never oh, okay. like seen him in something where I'm like, oh my gosh, that was awesome. Oh, okay. I got you. So yeah, weird. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. I bought more Bat Air plugins. You did. I bought, <laughs> I bought 15 more. You bought 17 more. 17 more. Enough to go with all my batteries. And Dave, you said you have a bunch of them already, too. Yeah, I bought, bought uh, quite a few. I don't have enough to cover all my batteries, but most of them. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that I can check on the one in my flight box with my phone. That's really So I can right. find out what the yeah. charge is on my flight box. You know, out the field, it's like, oh, do I, is it getting low? Because I charge it like once a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just so handy. I mean, they really... I don't know. For the price of them, I I really like what they do. Yeah. So do you do you have to use the Bat Air charger compatible charger? You don't have to. No, it'll okay. charge just like a regular battery on okay. any other charger too. But you don't get the 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 data. No, it will still tell if it's charged oh. or not. So like it'll still go through cycles and all that stuff. The only oh. thing you really get from what I can tell from using the the compatible charger is you don't have to tell your charger what battery oh, is going into it. It's I just see. a one-touch charge. Yeah. 
as opposed to okay, so kind of like let's the, charge. Oh, now it's a three S instead of a four S, and let's charge it five amps instead of three amps. You don't have to like change the smart all that stuff, stuff from Spectrum. Or, yeah, probably, okay. but just like a quarter Smarter. of the price. Well, you right. just plug it in, and it knows what it is, what it should charge it at. Yeah, and you just hit the start button. What now, if you take a Bat Air plug-in off of one battery, and then forget? what battery you took it off of and accidentally plug it into the incorrect battery and then you put it in the charger, can it still, like, does it automatically detect the cell voltage or is it just because that's what you programmed it for? So if you, uh, it's because it's what you programmed it for. Yeah. So, so you could still charge a battery incorrectly, theoretically. And Yeah, theoretically you yeah, could. So it's not going to save, you know, a really... A really dumb person from I doing something? I wasn't going to say dumb. I know, but I mean, like, they're they're made to stay on, so... Okay. They need to stay out. And the other thing, too, like, it actually, maybe it will charge it correctly because you... Okay, so, like, the actual plugins, I think that's 2S is one plugin. Then there's a plugin that does 3 or 4S, and then there's another module that does 5S or 6S. So you can't use just one of them for any battery you have. You have to buy the correct uh, cell count ones. Does I that see. make sense? Mm-hmm. So if you put in... I guess if you're going to try and charge it to 4S, like if you take it off and put it on another battery, it might know the difference based on reading the actual balance lead still. The problem is if you stay with the same cell count. That's the problem. So I've got a 2S 280 milliamp pack, Mm -hmm. and I've got a 2S 5000 pack, which Mm -hmm. I would charge at 5 amps versus 0.28 amps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If I took them flip-flopped. Yeah. Those bad airs, it would charge to dump five amps into my two eighty, which right. would go. Well, poof. no, not necessarily, well, but, because the constant current, constant voltage profile would taper off the, like when that when that cell count reaches that threshold voltage, it tapers off the the amps that it's putting in. So not necessarily, right? Yeah, but it would dump five amps into it for a while. Not for long, I bet. Hopefully not. Well, long we should try to, that sometime. I enough, guess maybe pro- I don't know. Probably long enough to swell the battery. I bet. It'd be bad no matter what. Yeah. Well, but you, like the little 280, the E flight ones, is that what you're talking yeah. about? You I can't put those plugins on those. Anyway. I know. I was just using that as an like example. Like my charger ramps up the amperage. Like, I don't know if you've ever sat and watched your charger while it was charging. Like, as soon as yeah, you start, it does. It starts out. Mine it up slowly. Does like, it? Yeah, I it starts at that. like 0. 0.1, 0. 0.2. And then once it detects, I guess, the cell voltage, then it ramps up the. So, so like I don't my, know. My 5000s, I charge at five amps. Might and, still be. And they start safe. around three amps, and it kind of ramps up from there. Hmm. Cool. Interesting. But yeah. anyway, so yeah, I bought a bunch of those. You said you, you bought, Dave, you bought the charger also, but you sent it back. I sent the charger back. I never even was able to charge a battery on it. Um, there was something wrong with the touchscreen on it. Oh, uh, okay. And it was scrolling all by itself, making beeping noises. <laughs> Just, it looked oh, like too bad. it was possessed. Yeah. Hmm. So, like, I guess I can see that. That charger seems to work okay for me. Until I don't have the right power supply for it. Like, I've used a, a, a four-cell uh, 5200 pack to charge a smaller battery just to see how it goes, and it's done great. But I have to find an actual real um, power, supply. power supply to put onto it, which I have one out in the shop. I just can't find it. I don't know what I have it set on. <laughs> it, it goes back and forth between a couple of things. I just need to buy one. As cheap as they are on Amazon anymore, it's not yeah. worth not having one. Um but yeah, that's that's too bad. Other than that, I like the charger. Yeah, yeah, it's simple to use if it would have stayed put. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand, and that's a like you didn't just replace it; you just sent it back and said I just sent it back. I yeah. 
I've got my other AccuCell chargers and just don't need another one. No. Yeah, I get it. So, but, but yeah, I, I do like the little plug-ins. So I, I yeah, they're yeah, more handy are... to me than the charger is. The fact that they they sync up with your phone and give you like alerts and things like that, I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And, and it's good that you don't have to use the charger. So that's... I still like the fact that they will auto storage charge. Yeah, and you tested that recently, didn't you? Yeah, I charged one of my what I finished setting the rest of them up that I had, and one of them was that 4S5200 pack, and it sat. It was a little over a week, I think, that it sat discharging, but it got down to storage charge and it had five thousand. It took it almost a week to yeah run down. I. I actually opened my closet and something was glowing purple in there. It's like, know, right? <laughs> it's like, what is that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I left a battery. Now I know what it's doing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, for those few things alone, I think it's well worth the $5 a battery. I, I okay. think it's worth And especially because when you get new batteries, if these die, you can put them on new ones. So True. Hopefully they'll yeah, last they for quite reusable. a while. Mm-hmm. After you smoke one. A battery. Oh, I was going <laughs> to... Like after you, you know, incorrectly charge one and it blows yeah. up, you know, in your garage, then you can take the bad air plug in off of that one and put it on another one. Or just after they die and don't, <laughs> you know, like don't actually catch on fire, but whatever. Um, a couple things else I wanted to say really quick before we get on to our main topic. Actually, mm-hmm. I guess we have a couple listener questions too. But first off, don't forget we are taking July off. Yeah. Um, so we'll have, I think, one more episode after this before we take our little vacay. Mm-hmm. Um, so... If you miss us, go to the website, check out stuff, poke around there, see what all we have. The other thing I, I think I want to try and do, um, if you have links to any RC vendors or anything like that that you guys use that you like, send them to me, ron at rcplanelab.com, or text them or however else you get to us. I want to maybe set up a, a links mm-hmm. uh, page on our website. Yeah. Mostly because, like, we've done a few guest interviews in a guest spot or yeah. guest spots and all that kind of stuff. Everybody that we have talked to has given us something else to look at that yeah. we have not been aware of um, from, you know, Gliders and Steven Zero and just right. all these different websites and stuff to go to. So send me the links. I want to look at them first off because I want to know about them. Uh, and secondly, I'd like to put a, like I said, a page on the website I think yeah. would be good. So yeah, I think that'd be that'd be good because there's like you said, there's a lot of things out there that we don't know about. Yeah, and, and even we, googling and stuff won't bring up a lot of stuff. Yeah. So, so um, if you know yeah. of a link or you have a link that you guys like to use, yeah, uh, send it to Ron. He'll put it on a links page. Maybe. A link repository, if we go. can. Nice um, repository. Yeah, that made sense, right? It did. Uh, let's see. Is that everything on this? I think I covered everything. Well, I mean, oh. speaking of links and where we get them, we get them mostly from. You know, recording with guests, and we recorded with a couple of guests last <laughs> we weekend. I forgot all about that. So, oh my <laughs> god! Didn't. So you came out I to did. record, and mm-hmm. as soon as you got here, like before you left, you texted me, "Hey, should I bring anything?" And I was like, "No, we're cool." On your way out, like when you were on your way out, I'm like, "Oh, he should have brought his little UMX uh, uh, SBOC. Mm-hmm. We haven't flown our UMX stuff for, right. that we got at that swap meet and stuff, and." You got out here, and I told you, and you're like, "Well, I'll I'll text Lori, and she can bring it out, and you know she'll have no problem doing that." So what what happened? What happened, Tom? Well, she brought the box out. She brought my <laughs> transmitter and the two batteries that I had, you know, guided her to get. And I told her where the box was, and uh, she brought the box and the two batteries and my transmitter. <laughs> I wish 
I wish you could have seen your own face when you open the airplane box to see no airplane inside. Yeah, yeah like a dummy, I had taken taken it out because I was going to fly it at home or whatever yeah. and just never got around to it. I never actually put it back in the box. But in my mind, I, you know, it's a UMX. That's where they go. Just grab the box. It'll be fine. Well, and then, so luckily Crystal was in town. Yeah. So we had her swing by and pick it up. But... Like, she didn't know what to expect. We we asked her to stop by your house to pick up an airplane to bring it out to us. Right. So we could fly it. And so in her mind, she's expecting, like, an, an airplane. airplane. And she's right. trying to figure out, where am I going to fit it? You know, I've got a couple people in the car already. I got uh, stuff in the trunk <laughs> and all that. And, yeah. So she saw the airplane. She said she giggled a little bit when she saw how big it was. And she's like, ah, plenty of room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we got to fly them. So though. we got to fly them. Yeah, they both fly pretty good, actually. I, I think they fly great i think we did okay so i did just to check i ended up flying four minutes on one pack and three and a half minutes on another one mm-hmm. um so i don't know which one was which when i charged them and it doesn't matter because one of them actually like timed out before i saw how much was put into it but the other one was 129 milliamp hours out of 280 so i'm figuring if that was a three and a half minute flight i should easily be able to get seven minutes out of that no problem because that one I spent a lot of time at full speed. Yeah, so that's true. Yep. I think seven minutes on that will be mm-hmm. good for a small battery like yep. that. And mm-hmm. you can charge them at three C, so that should really only take it yeah. twenty minutes to charge. I haven't uh, I haven't charged mine back up, uh, but I flew with the timer set at five minutes and still felt like I had as much power at yeah. the at the end. So when I check them, I'll let you know what they what they come up with. But I imagine it's it's pretty safe at five. Probably go to seven. Yeah, I'll be interested to see. Yeah, I think my little pits. I've got a five minute timer on it, and the most I've ever ran that battery down is thirty percent. Yeah, down to thirty percent. Oh, really? So yeah. So they must be pretty. And yeah, the pits can be hard, a lot of vertical lines and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Well, yeah, because it's a pits, and it makes you want to push the envelope. (laughs) All right, so so, some. uh, Let's do. You want to do listener questions? Yeah, we got a couple of those to get to before we move on. Mm -hmm. Um, So first off. It says, hello, Ron and Tom. My name is Mark, and I'm 13. I'm getting interested in building and flying RC planes. Cool. I recently got a HobbyZone Sport Cub 2S with Safe, Mm -hmm. but I'm searching to build and fly on my own. Uh, I'm greatly inspired by your podcast and would Uh like to build a basic balsa plane with a wingspan under 20 inches, uh, and that... Can withstand and that can withstand some wind. Mm-hmm. I live in Washington State, and we get a lot of rain, snow, and wind here. So I need to pick a plane that can withstand or withstand a little bit of all that. It would be nice if you could j- or suggest some good plans to fit my criteria. That's a tough one. Kudos to him for wanting, yeah, for wanting to build his first. Right, Absolutely, not his first airplane, but build an airplane. Yeah, from I agree. plans. Yeah, I think that's awesome. At so, thirteen years old, there are a few things I think that you can do. First well, off, well, you know what I'm going to say. Well, and I actually back <laughs> you up on this one. Go on. Well, a stick. Yeah, I mean, find yourself a. I think you found one on Aerofred, right? Yeah. So if you Google Aerofred, I don't remember what their actual website is. A e r o f r e d is what you Google. It might be Aerofred.com. Um, look up stick, and that's stick with a K. S T I K. Yep. There is a plan on there that's just under 16 inches. Um, it'd be a good just starter mm-hmm. plane to build, at least to get the idea on how to build things. Yep. Um, your other option, I think, is to look at willy-nillies and see what they have. Yeah, their stuff their is kits... really, really light, though. So light and wind usually kind of don't go hand in hand. 
I don't know. What do you think, Dave? Uh, wind and light, uh, not friends. Yeah. What but would your suggestion and, be? Wind in under six or in under twenty inches is not right. really friends That's either. A tough, so it's like a challenge. Yeah. yeah I man, the wind thing is really killing me. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's tons of things out there in the twenty inch range that'll be great beginners aircraft, but the wind is just going to kill you. Yeah. yeah. And I feel his pain, by the way, because that's how the wind has been <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> it's wet or rain, uh, wind. Yeah. yeah that's I mean, like yesterday I was outside and it was actually nice out. Yeah. But the 27 the, mile an hour wind. The tops of the trees were just like bending almost in half. It was yeah. ridiculous how windy it is here now. Yeah. So, yeah, no flying. Yeah. But. But yeah, start with a stick. Uh, they're all, I mean, even if it's light, it's still a pretty easy airplane to fly, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but short of a heavy pattern type plane, which is not a beginner airplane, no, it's not no. something you want to fly. But um, stick is start forgiving. with a stick. It's easy to build, and they're a lot of fun to fly when it's not real windy. I would agree at that size. You know, and the ASX three, if you can incorporate that somehow, helps out tremendously with the wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you can get a spectrum receiver that has that built in, that helps. Yeah, for sure. It does, but still. That's... I know, I know. It's a crutch. No, 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 no. I'm not. No. I'm for wind. It's it's fine when you're or when you're learning. I, I have no problem with that. But yeah. it's that the 20 inch size. I think is yeah. what's going to be difficult with wind, just yeah. because it gets. I mean. Anyway, thanks, Mark, for yeah. contacting us. Uh, that's our suggestion. A stick. There you go. We have a voicemail to get to next. Let's okay. play that, and you can answer it because it's about engines. Okay. Made to run nitro fuel. Okay. Well, Dave can answer it probably too. Well, the collective you that's not me. How's that? <laughs> Here we go. Uh, yes, my name is Mike. I have a question regarding, uh, I have a 91 Surpass, and I can't find anywhere where the where their factory settings are for the slow and high-speed needle valve. So that's one question I have. And also, I usually run... 1515 or 2020 fuel, but I do have uh, a, a bunch of 3030 fuel that I used in a YS140 Sport, and I'm wondering, can I run that in a uh, OS91 or OS120? So I'd appreciate your feedback on that. There you go, gentlemen. Okay, Mike. Well, I can I can say I think I've already answered via email, but um, yeah, the thirty percent stuff. I, I think I would uh, not put that in an airplane engine. A little hard on plugs. Yeah, very hard on plugs. Um, it does make them easier to tune. You know, the higher the nitro, usually that makes them a little easier to tune. But uh, yeah, hard on plugs and probably going to run a little bit hotter too. Yeah. So what's thirty thirty four? Well, it's a thirty percent nitro and thirty percent oil. I'm assuming, which is a lot of oil for. For a model engine, but uh, yeah, I, I just I wouldn't oh, so, run that. In, so that wouldn't be like special for like RC cars or something like that. That you I've know never of. even ran thirty percent in the cars. Like I don't know what you I ran thirty percent in a boat. But I mean, I'm talking about the oil. Like thirty yeah, percent oil. oil. That's a lot of oil. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge mess. I'm not I'm not sure what you would run that in. Honestly. Okay. So don't um, use that one. Yeah, I wouldn't use it. The the twenty twenty that you have. That's what I run in all my YSs. Um, and the Sados run good on that too. I imagine the OS 91 probably would run good on that as well. But I run all my OSs, all the four strokes on 15%. I run mine on 15. So, yeah. So, and as far as the needles go, um, 
I I know if you do some Googling, you can find the manuals out there for these uh, older OS engines. I do it all the time. Uh, you may have to do a little, you know, research, but um, I can tell you that most OS carburetors, the low speed needle is usually flush with the with the outside of the of the needle housing. Uh, like if you you know thread the screw out till the face of the screw is flush with the end of that housing, that's usually a good starting point for the low speed. And then I always start two and a half turns out from closed on the high speed needles. Yeah, um, I'm a little different on that. Normally, I would start three turns out on the main. Um, to set the low end, it's pretty low tech. I mean, these numbers at least get you in the ballpark where it'll, where it'll run. Mm -hmm. uh, it probably won't run very well, but it'll run. You can adjust from there. Uh, I'll take and set my idle uh, to where um, it would be an idle position on, th on the throttle barrel. Mm -hmm. um, and then I take and pull the fuel line off, and I will mm -hmm. take and uh, blow through the fuel line into the carburetor. Uh, and open or close the uh, low end until I can barely get it, some air through it. Yep. And that'll get you in the ballpark where it will at least run. Yep. yep. And then you can adjust from there. 100%. I agree. So there you go, Mike. That's our that's our recommendations. Awesome. So now. <laughs> Easy peasy. Are you guys ready to talk about? Yeah. What we all came here to do today. Gasoline I'm excited. I'm excited engines. Conversions. Sizing. Yeah. Setup. It's all about gas. Carburetors. And we all love gas. Wow. We share we all gas have often. Gas. So <laughs> by the way, gas is four eighty eight a gallon oh, on the way out here today. Oh my God. All y'all that made fun of me for buying a Tesla. Yeah. I never made fun of you for buying a Tesla. Well, I was always I was very looking, supportive. Because I was looking at you. Didn't mean I meant you. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. I'm sorry. But all the all the Tesla haters out there. When you look at me and right say now, things like that, I tend to think you mean I said those things. Right so, now, when I see how cheap it is for me to drive, I'm laughing all the way <laughs> to the pretty, bank. It is, yeah. 488, that's what it was on that's the way That's what out. I saw on the station on the way out here. So, so we drove 490-some-odd miles last week, less than $14. Nice. Just saying. Well, I'm looking at pulling a trailer up the streeter here in two weeks, and I'm thinking my fuel bill for a 100-mile trip is going to be $100. At least. I, oh, that makes me nauseous. I mean, just, oh, that's terrible. Yeah. It's like I'm almost thinking about, mm, maybe I'm not going now. But So even though gas is what? ridiculously expensive right now, it's not as expensive as nitro, <laughs> which is why we're here, and this is what we're going to talk about. Yeah. So- Nitro or gas engine conversions. Uh, so what we're talking about is uh, taking a weed eater engine, mm -hmm. let's say, and converting it for RC plane use. Because we know uh, RC planes are more fun than weed eaters. Well, so we should just tear all of our weed eaters apart. Usually when you're running a weed eater, that equates to work. Yeah. And if you're running an airplane, that equates to fun. Right. So, yeah, com there's two huge differences there. I, I did agree. use my helicopter as a leaf blower. On purpose? Oh, on purpose, yeah. Nice. I used it to sweep the driveway. <laughs> okay. I can we'll see, see that. see. That's killing two yeah. birds with one That's stone. fun and work. Fun and yard work, yeah. yeah. So well. did you actually fly it above it, or did you hold on to it and just... No, I flew it up and down the driveway, blowing, oh, okay. blowing the leaves. See? Nice. Okay. <laughs> so, not to get off topic, but... We do uh, that often. We do it all the time. So why would anybody want to do this? Well... Lots of reasons why somebody might want to do this. We talked about one of them, the price of gas. Mm -hmm. So you can run you can run a nitro engine for however long you can run it on for $30 a gallon or $40 a gallon in the case of our YS120s or for 8 bucks a gallon 
with if you factor oil and all that kind of stuff in it, probably less than eight bucks a gallon, honestly. Yeah. Uh, you can run a gasser. And they're usually a little more economical, too. They don't drink as much fuel as nitros do. Usually. I've noticed that. Yeah. So not only is the gas cheaper, uh, they don't seem to use as much of it. So that's two great reasons to think about converting that old Ryobi, you know, leaf blower engine you got sitting in the garage to an RC airplane engine. <laughs> <laughs> and and who would want to do it? Well, who wouldn't want to do it, right? Right. I mean... If you like airplanes, and we all do, you must, at, to some degree, like tinkering with them, right? True. To some degree. Now, some Not, more than others. Yeah. And like you need an excuse to, to go tinker with airplanes, well, convert an engine. So there you go. That's who. You make it everybody. sound so easy. Right? You do. It, it really isn't hard. And <laughs> I'm going to get to that. Um, so, yeah, like the the five Ws, I wrote them all down, but basically it's it's about... Saving money on gas. What, the 5W? Well, the who, what, when, where, why. Oh, I had something okay. clever written out, but I'm not going to, because I'm looking at it now, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of silly. <laughs> but like, really, it, it comes down to saving money on gas and getting to spend time in the shop. Because it's fun to do, actually. And less mess on your airplane. And yeah, and there's another reason, see? Yeah. Yeah. So, and they're also um, cheap, right? Oh, absolutely. If if you're going to throw that Royobi weed eater away anyway. Exactly. Or have to work with it. I don't know. That's just not as fun, (laughs) you know. And most of these things usually are are like when we throw them away, like when we're done with our weed eaters or our leaf blowers or whatever, it's usually not because the engine is cashed in. No. It's usually because there's something wrong with the carburetor. The fuel line that clunk thing is broken in the tank or it's usually never, honestly, the engine's fault. Maybe the carburetor. Maybe sometimes, but it, the the engines are usually the the power head, right? Mm-hmm. Is usually fine. So instead of throwing it away, convert it for RC, RC airplanes. I mean, it's awesome, it's fun, and anybody can do it. Okay, so you should do it. Well, how? I oh. mean, like what? Well, I'm glad you asked. Oh, God. is that what we were waiting on? Yeah, me to say. I was waiting how? for somebody would... to prompt me so I could get into. How, oh, well, right? Tom, how do you do this? Well, it's it's actually not not hard. So basically, uh, and you know, you want to go as light as you can, right? Because weight is always a factor with our airplanes. So you can go electronic ignition, or you can keep the stock magneto ignition. Now, Dave um, has. Lots of success, and I'm going to let him talk about this in a little while because I know nothing about setting up, you know, the the magneto-style ignition. Um, but they're a little bit heavier because you have the weight of the flywheel and the, the coil pickup and all that kind of stuff. Um, but you don't have the weight of a battery. So there's a couple of different ways you can go. You can go electronic ignition or you can keep the stock, um, what, what do they call it? It's not CDI. What yes. are this? Magneto ignition. Magneto, okay. So you have to consider, you know, maybe what the application is going to be. Like if if you're really concerned about weight, you might want to think about converting one to, you know, CDI or electronic ignition. Or if you're putting it like on a World War One biplane that usually comes out tail heavy anyway, you need nose weight, why not stick that reliable, you know, magneto ignition on there? And it's really simple to do. You're going to basically just, like once you get the engine out of the implement, let's say it's a, well, in the case of the Ryobi, it was a weed eater, right? Mm-hmm. So I, took everything apart that would come apart, right? And then anything that wasn't necessary for either mounting it to an airframe or using the ignition, if I was going to use the ignition, the stock ignition, 
uh, gets either cut off or milled off or however you want to get it off of there, get it off there. Usually the what what you find is the crankcases have molded in flanges that are designed for mounting things like shrouds and um, uh, the, the like outer shields and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah. stuff like that. There's a lot of lumps and bumps all over them for mounting who knows what. Exactly. So if it's not necessary for either mounting the engine to the airframe or mounting your ignition, cut it off. You can and you can do that with a cutoff wheel with a Dremel. You can do it with a with a angle grinder with a cutoff wheel. Or if you're really fancy, if you have access to a mill, you can chuck it in a a, a vise and mill it off. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for me, I worked in a machine shop, so all of that was easy for me. Like I made all my own parts and stuff. But it doesn't have to be that fancy. It really doesn't. Like if you've got a a cutoff wheel mounted to a four inch grinder. Get after it. Just cut all that stuff off. Yeah, and then okay. do yourself a favor, smooth down all the edges after you're done cutting them. <laughs> Why? You don't want to cut yourself? Well, I mean, sharp edges and fuel lines, you know, running around inside of a cowl don't uh-huh. usually work out too well with the vibration and stuff. So okay, ask me how I know that. How do you know that? Uh, well, they tend to develop leaks when they get holes in the lines. <laughs> um but yeah, once you've got it out of the implement and you've got all the stuff cut off of it that, that doesn't need to be on there anymore, and then you just need to think about what you want to do for ignition. If you're going to keep the stock ignition uh, magneto style and you have access to a lathe, uh, you could do yourself a favor by thinning down the flywheel. It doesn't need all those fins on it when it's inside your cowl that's going to get airflow moving through it. So if you can chuck that in a lathe and cut that down and make it thinner. Oh, so all the fins are for cooling? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're designed to move air through those shrouds because, you know, those weed eaters and stuff, they're encased in these plastic housings and stuff, and they're, you know, they're, there's no air moving over them other than what they generate themselves. So that's what those fins are for. So gotcha. cut them all off if you can. Make that thing as thin as you can and as light as you can. Don't do anything with the diameter, though. That's important. Yeah, the diameter has to stay the same. <laughs> exactly. Why is um, that? Well, because it's set to run under the, the coil pickup, right? And if you thin that down, then it's running. Oh, up. okay. Yeah. So, so then don't it do will anything. Know when with, to... Well, besides that, the magnets are embedded usually in the flywheel. So if you cut those off, then you can't yeah, trigger yeah, the ignition. Yeah. Grinding your magnets off, not good. Yeah, don't do that. But you can definitely thin it down, you know, cut all the, the fins and stuff like that off. And probably there's mounting bosses for like the recoil starter or stuff like you don't need any of that. So take it off. Okay. So you can save yourself some weight doing that. And then you can save yourself a lot of weight by just getting rid of all of that and making yourself a prop adapter and set up an electronic ignition. And that is really the ultimate gas converted weed eater motor, which is what the Ryobi is. And so why is that? Well, because you're taking an engine that wasn't designed to run on electronic ignition and you're making it now run on a, you know, and that to me, that's pretty cool because now you're worried about timing and all that stuff. So yeah. And I'll talk about that too. So if you want. Okay. Okay. So yeah, if you want to set up the timing on an electronic (laughs) ignition. How do you set up the timing, Tommy, on the uh, electronic ignition? (laughs) Well, you're going to need a few things, right? You're going to need the ignition, which is available from several places. Uh, You can get a, you can even use a factory DLE or DA or whatever, which, um, those are a little more expensive, but I use CH ignitions because you can buy a single cylinder ignition. I think last time I checked was like 70 bucks, yeah, uh, which is actually not very expensive, I mm-hmm. think, especially for going with a, a modern, you know, electronic ignition. But um, so you're going to need the ignition and you're going to need some way to trigger, right, that ignition and you're going to need a battery to run it. So 
uh, triggering an ignition is basically um, what they use is a, a magnet embedded in the prop hub that spins underneath a Hall effect sensor. And it's all fancy schmancy talk for basically just a magnet that has to be positioned at a certain place at a certain time. Is that how magneto ones work too? To a certain extent. Kind of, but a magneto one also generates its own electricity. Well, yeah, I, I get that, but I mean, yeah. that's how it gets... But that's how it triggers it, it is using triggers a whole effect magnet. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, uh, and to do that, you need a prop hub, and that's probably the toughest part of the whole conversion process, if you're going electronic ignition, is uh, either making your own, which is not hard to do, especially if you have access to a lathe and a chunk of aluminum, um, but you can also, there are some companies out there that, I think still produce uh, prop hubs ready-made for you, or they can if you ask them to. So if you're talking about putting a prop hub on instead of the Magneto mm -hmm. flywheel, mm -hmm. how do you take that off? Is that screwed on? Is that pressure fit? Is that So there's, there's a couple of different ways I've seen those. Uh, so on the Ryobi, it was, uh, I believe it was a threaded uh, arrangement. So the the crankshaft came out of the engine with a with a stub basically, mm -hmm. and then there was a bolt that went into that the nose of that crankshaft that bolted the flywheel to the to that whole assembly. Okay. Uh, and I think, I think the hub I machined was, uh, it was held on I believe the same way, and then I just bored counterbored a hole in it to put a to put, stud in to put a stud, and then with a you know holes inside of it for a spinner. I think. But either way, it's 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 not hard to do. Like yeah. if you're patient and you have it sounds some skills, like it's hard. Like to be honest, it sounds daunting. I understand that. And if it's too difficult, you know, there's lots of machine shops that would do this sort of work for you. Okay. I don't know what they charge. I'm sure it's not probably cheap, but in the long run, it's cheaper than you know four gallons of nitro fuel in the case of a you know a flying season. <laughs> yeah, but it might not end up being cheaper than just buying an already. Absolutely true. Gasoline engine. Unless this you're is, unless you're starting with an engine that you got for free. Well, true, but I guess my, what I'm saying is this isn't for everybody. This right, isn't exactly. The, you know, if you just want to go fly, if you want to do that, you don't like yeah. tinker. This isn't the conversation, right? Uh, that you're going to want to actually go and do, right? Somebody, this is, somebody who doesn't have the the time or the um, I don't want to say patience, but you know, some, some people, fine. yeah, I mean, some people don't, you know, don't really get their kicks off of this sort of thing. So yeah, probably be better off buying something off the shelf. Or like just do or it to try or, and yeah, not to actually it. rely on for an airplane. If you have something you're throwing away, just see about converting it and see how you can do it without right. needing it for anything else. It's yeah. kind of, yeah. I mean, like I would have fun doing it just to try it. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work, don't tell anybody and just throw it away. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, okay. like I said, there's, there's sure. just a different levels of, yeah. With as much as you're talking about, don't, it's just, it seems overwhelming, I think. It can and I don't be. want it to come off that way. Yeah. No, I, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. If you, if you don't have the, the resources to do it, then yeah, don't, you know, don't sweat it. Go, because there's, let's be honest, there's lots of good options out there, um, ready made for RC use that really have, you know, pretty economical, honestly. Oh, I, for what I you're think getting. so too. So yeah, don't sweat it if you don't like, want to try this but you know if you got up for the challenge um it's worth it i think because in yeah. the end you have an engine that you can now put in an airplane and say that hey i built that and the airplane yeah kind of you know what i'm saying no, just I a couple it. quick notes about the prop though or the prop hub um you need to make sure that it's at least long enough to cover all of the 
um, the shoulder, if you will, the unthreaded portion of the crankshaft, you know, the, the snout that comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also want to make sure that it's not so long that it covers too many of the threads that you don't have enough threads to then put your spinner back plate if you're using one of the prop and then the, the washer and the nut and all that stuff. Yeah. So anyway, um, and then also make sure it's the correct diameter. You want to make sure that the prop hub is at least as big a diameter as your propeller hub. That makes sense? Because you're smashing, you know, the propeller oh, against I it. So you sure. want to make sure it's the same diameter or bigger. So the hub of the propeller needs to actually ride on the entire hub for the motor. You Preferably. don't want that to be smaller or else it's going to get smashed. Exactly. Gotcha. Yep. Okay. And then uh, and then setting up the ignition is not, uh, is not rocket science either. Um, I made a degree wheel, which is nothing more than a big circle with a bunch of degrees, uh, delineated on it yeah um and you're gonna set up like a clock looking kind of thing yeah it looks like a clock except it starts from zero to 360 with you know i think i had mine set up for every five degrees or i don't know maybe i had a degree or a mark at every degree but anyway make it you know 10 to 12 inches in diameter make it easy to use and then fashion yourself a pointer so that you can point to a number when you're at top dead center. And top dead center is like the position where the piston has moved as far up in the cylinder that it's going to go. And at top dead center, you want to align your magnet and your Hall effect sensor roughly 28 degrees. 28 degrees before top dead center is a good starting point to set up your ignition. And so when you're putting your Hall effect sensor on, then how much adjustment do you have, like, degree-wise? It depends on the sensor that you use. Um, like, I use the DLE sensor, I think, on the Ryobi, mm-hmm. and it has a slotted bracket. Yeah. So I just, uh, I think, I take that back, I used a, a, a hose clamp, I think, because it has a little shoulder on it, too. And I clamp that to the snout, and you can, you know, adjust that with the loosening of the hose clamp and moving it and yeah. tightening it. So if that's the case, you have 360 degrees of, exactly. yeah. of being able to figure it out. But like for ones where you're actually screwing in and mounting, mm-hmm. like the... It usually gives you about 15 degrees of, okay. of 15, play, I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah there's might, plenty might, of adjustment. Yeah, it might even be more. I don't know. And it's really not hard. Like you don't need that much. Like 28 degrees is about like the standard. I think that's about where all of them kind of... And when I say you you might want one or two degrees either side of that... You're not going to so ever you're not going to go to like 40 degrees. No. Or, okay. No. no Which be, actually makes sense if you think about it. But right. yeah. So yeah, there's definitely a sweet spot and that sweet spot is five degrees, you know, maybe six degrees total. So. Okay. But yeah. And to do that, you just, uh, what I did on my Ryobi is I counterboard a hole in the, um, in the circumference of the prop hub. Mm-hmm. And I bought one of those little eighth inch, uh, rare Neodymium yeah, or whatever. Uh, and I just JB welded it into a little pocket I machined into the circumference there of my uh, prop hub. So kind of like then, the same thing we do when we're trying to use a magnetic hatch or something on an airplane. Yeah, same yeah, idea. Same thing. Yep. I gotcha. And you want it flush or slightly below flush so that it doesn't hit your Hall effect sensor. And then, yeah, you just line those two up, the magnet and your Hall effect sensor at 28 degrees and... Off you go. And that's when it knows to fire. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So you just, and part of the fun of it, at least for me anyway, part of the fun of it is figuring all that out. Yeah. You know, making, making, either making a mount or figuring out how I'm going to mount the the sensor. Let's see, how do I want this magnet to line up? You know, I, I know in the end, I know what needs to happen, but making all the cool things line up so that that happens in the end is, is part of the fun for me. 
Yeah, I so, get it. That's yeah. awesome, man. And then one last note about conversions. Usually they come with a carburetor that has like a primer bulb on it or somewhere yeah. in the system. Generally speaking, I don't like those. I don't use those. You totally can. I mean, because mm-hmm. if the carburetor works, you know, in a in a weed eater, it's going to work on your airplane. Um, but they're bulky and they, you know, you have to, some of them you have to find a place to mount, you know, your primer bulb because some of them don't always mount right to the carburetor. Yeah. Um, so I just use, uh, I think it's a WT978, I think is the one I wrote down in my notes. Yeah. Um, but there's other ones too. Like if you look up the Walbro carburetor that's like on a DLE 30, you can use that carburetor on most engines from 20 to 35 cc's and it'll run just fine. So okay. I like to use those because they don't have the primer built in and they have adjustable needles. That makes sense. So there you go. That was one thing. So way back when, when I had that RCGF 15 on the uh, Skybolt, it was having problems when I first got it running and stuff. And you were out here helping me with it. And what surprised me is that's an RC airplane motor that was built for RC airplanes. Yep. And we were able to go to Farm and Home <laughs> yeah. to buy the rebuild, the rebuild kit, kit yep. for the carburetor. Yep. Um, that's something that I was not prepared for, just the ease of replacement parts. Yeah. So Pretty cool. And, you know, you've talked about before just replacing full carburetors for eight or ten bucks off of Amazon. I mean, you can find the yep. carburetors ready to go they're, for they're next They're usually Walbro clones, but, yeah, they usually run just fine. Yeah. So, so that... That so that's is, pretty cool, too. That's amazing to me. Yeah. Like, I still can't get over that. Just It's the same carburetor, and it's so easy to fix if something goes wrong. Diaphragm goes out, anything like that. You have parts readily available, which in this hobby I'm not used to. Yeah. I'm used to a special trip somewhere. Right. I'm used to doing... Yeah. Yeah, but I yeah. like that a lot. I mean, in the end, most, like, RC, you know, gas engines, they go, you know, they go back to basically being implement engines that have been converted by, you know, a company at least. But, I mean, they have their roots in in the, you know, the home market anyway. So why wouldn't you be able to go to Farm and Home and get parts for them? Uh, I think it's awesome. That's true. But I just, like I said, that that surprised me when we did that. Yeah. Um, so, so Dave, we've we've talked a little bit about magneto. Are you? I'm sorry. You no, go go right ahead. Okay. So, Dave, we've talked a little bit about like magneto ignitions and, and that kind of stuff. And you run magneto on yeah. a lot of yours, right? Yeah, I have one uh, electric in, uh, capacitive en- engine, and the rest of them are all magneto. Cause see, like, I can go either way. Like, I see the pros and cons of magneto, and I see the pros and cons of the regular electronic ignition. Mm-hmm. But so many people just kind of doo-doo on magneto ignitions <laughs> and stuff because oh it's not high performance oh there's so much weight oh this oh that w- why i mean like i like my magneto engines they are stupid simple right i don't have to think about them i i rig an on off switch to shut them off mm-hmm. so i can safely flip them or whatever and that's it i don't have to run i don't have to find a place to put the ignition module that's a big one mm-hmm um, I don't have to have a spare battery, so I don't have another battery, battery to deal charge, with. Yeah. Um, I don't have to troubleshoot something else. Basically, if a magneto engine works, it's going to work for its entire life. It probably, yeah. If unless something stupid happens to it, yeah, that magneto is going to work for the life of the engine. Yeah. I've seen, you know, I've seen so many people uh, pulling out uh, modules, you know, and diagnosing bad modules and so forth. Yeah. 
Ron and I are both shaking our heads. Uh-huh. Trash Looking at each other master. because that's yep. what we dealt with. Now, electronic ignition does have a uh, advantage in when it comes to starting. They usually run a retarded uh, spark, mm-hmm. make it easier to start. Yep. Uh, but I've never really had too much trouble starting um, any of my uh, Magneto engines. Uh, I've got one that can be quite cranky and has to be persuaded with a starter from time to time for the first start. <laughs> but, but once it that, starts for the first time yeah. of the day, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, plus, I usually need the extra weight uh, yeah. in the World War One stuff or short-nosed aircraft. Yeah. Um, I've heard that a lot. Yeah. And so why deal with the extra battery and all that other stuff when it's just right there and the weight you need is right there and good to go? And let's See, be honest, having having the big flywheel on there, that little bit of extra weight, really makes for nice idles. Oh, my, you know? my as an OS, they just tick over, and you yeah. can see the propeller. You know, yeah, it's, you can watch. Yeah, you can almost watch the propeller as it's as it's going through the arc at, at idle. And that's that's a that's actually a great uh, pro, in my opinion, for uh, magneto ignition. That the low smooth idle you get with them. Yeah, and see, that's why like. I understand you can get more performance out of these other engines that are like completely designed for RC applications like VAs and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm not flying a plane that needs all the extra performance, I, I don't get like, I don't know if there's just something I don't know or why I should worry about not having a Magneto engine. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the majority of us probably don't need as much power as we have. Honestly. Right. I mean, so, yeah, I I don't know the answer to that. Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to answer that question. Well, like I said, you talk to almost anybody, and they will all the time, well, you know, magneto ignitions, that's, they're just think, so heavy, they're so bad, they're this, they're that, CDI is the way to go, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it's like there's no actual reason to why they're, you know, they can't yeah. back it up with, okay, here is why. For right. me to be like, okay, I understand now. They don't accelerate as fast as... A, a ignition engine because you got to spin up that flywheel. Yeah. So it takes longer for that flywheel to spool up. Conversely, they don't slow down as fast. Mm-hmm. So you, you, the 3D pilots are not going to want this because they want that fine throttle control yeah. um, for hovering and so forth. Yeah. Whereas with my stop with bipes, who cares if it takes a quarter second to spool up? Big deal. Yeah. yeah and I, I understand that. I mean, that makes sense to me, but. I, you just don't hear people when you talk to them and have conversations with them in general. And I know it's a generalization, but I've not heard a lot of people say these engines are great for that. They're fine for if you're going to run something where you don't, you know, care about a lot of power. It's always no magneto, just a, a line. No, we don't do that. That's that's old school. That's bad. That's not worth it. Yeah, it's like those the what the cheetah G forty twos forty twos that mm-hmm. I got. 20 bucks a piece. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the only reason I bought and it. one of them came with a jump start. Yeah, and I have no clue what I'm going to use it on, but 20 bucks a piece. How yeah. can you not actually just that, buy think, it and have it sitting yeah, in a... I, in I a, think when you when you bite the bullet and you build your first World War One biplane, I think these things are going to be awesome. I don't know if I'll ever do that. <laughs> I'm just teasing. But I could see like a, a big stick or yeah. something like that. Just I think a what lazy most people, flyer. I think what most people go to is the weight, you know, because they can be a little heavier. And the uh, the ease of starting, I think, is I think is are the two biggest complaints I've you know I I frequently hear, but like like you said, they're not that hard to overcome. No. So. Yeah, like when I was talking to the guy at the swap meet about buying them, it was pretty much like he told me 
nobody wants this. If it doesn't get sold today, he said, just throw it in the lake. <laughs> it's like, I, and see, that's uh, that's kind of what I get off of these. And it's like, well, then should I not? I, I don't, you know, but <laughs> no, for 20 fine. bucks, I still feel as though it's a good motor. It well, had for 20 bucks, it had I mean, all it would that be an afternoon of fun just mounting it on a bench and running it. And we should probably and, do that, you know, the I mean, more I think about it. Yeah. We're going to do some more of that stuff, too, because I need to run that diesel motor you're talking about. That's yeah, a whole we other subject. That. But anyway. So um, once you've got one converted, yeah, um, the setup is pretty much the same as any gasser. It's super, super easy. So what's set up for a gas Well, engine? I've been blathering on. Dave, you tell us. How do you set up a gas engine? Well, the nice thing about a gas engine is tank position really doesn't matter. No, isn't that <laughs> sweet? No center lines, nothing to you worry about. You can put about. it on the CG if you want to. I've actually con contemplated putting one sideways in the, in the aircraft. Really? Yeah, it was uh, that Sopwith Papa I was building for Ed. Oh, okay. Um, he wanted a smoke tank in it too. And to get both tanks in it, if I could mount them sideways, it was going to work better. But, well, it's and that's pull. the beauty of a gasser you know, with the pumped carburetors that you could do that if you yeah. want to. It yeah. doesn't really care. Yeah, which is um, awesome. The nice thing going again with this tanks, uh, pumped carburetors, is you don't have to worry about flooding the engine, filling them. Yeah. So you can put a simple T in the line. Yeah. And and use just a, a fuel dot right. to mm -hmm. fuel the car uh, tanks. Yeah, so a simple two line setup with a tank is all you need. You don't have to do the three line setup if you want to have a fill line or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, you do force of habit. I usually do, but oh, do you? Okay, <laughs> but you don't have to. I don't have to. Yeah. It's just I've already got it plumbed when I realize. Dum -dum. If you have a fully cowled in engine, let, let's say a, a nitro, you pretty much have to run a three line setup because. You don't want to take the cowl off every time you have to put fuel in it. So I mean, you almost have to. But on a on a on a gasser, yeah, you just run a, a simple T and, and a put plug a dot. Yeah, it could be as awesome. simple as a screw in the line. Really, yeah, <laughs> done that. Yeah, now me too. Got one on the bench right now with you know, that way. So yeah, so the tank is easy. You want to make sure you use Tygon fuel tubing. That's that's right, that's and a conversion stopper. And a yeah, uh, I forgot ah, about that. Forgot Dubro four hundred conversion stopper yep. fits Dubro and solvent tanks. Yeah, uh, it might fit some of the metric tanks uh, as well. I haven't tried does. it. Yeah, because they squish. Yeah, yeah, but Dubro four hundred conversion stopper mm -hmm. and Tygon fuel line. Yeah, uh, some people use the black neoprene line i don't care for that stuff it gets hard real quick well and yeah. i found over time like if you touch it it crumbles it crumbles and then leaves black stuff all over your hands yeah which Yuck. yeah that's gross yeah. gross ucky yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the yellow tygon works great yeah it lasts for several seasons it does it does get hard like over time but it still works that's the thing still works it doesn't, it doesn't seem doesn't... to get brittle and break uh yeah. i think it would if you forced the issue. Yeah, probably. A lot of it has to do with how long it's sitting out in sunlight. Like yeah. I've had, going back to weed eaters before, where, yeah. you know, it sat outside for a few days at a time and you go to use it and it's fine. Then after a year of doing that or so, it, it they get hard. Yeah. And then when they break, they just shatter. They just shatter. Um, yeah. But they, yeah, like you said, they still work up until then. Yeah. So. Yeah. They do lose their flexibility. Like if you're, you're clunk in the tank, it doesn't seem to flop about as as it's freely. freely as it's supposed to. But that's, if you keep an eye on it, you know it, it's fine. every couple of years yank it out of there. Yeah, and so change I was going to say every year or two. That I mean, for as simple and cheap as that is, that might be a good thing to do, like on yeah. your yearly checkup. Yeah, and another good reason to get in the shop and tinker. Yeah, and, and you should check your tank anyway every now and then. Yep. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. you never know. Fuel lines, like I said, just. It's good to keep an eye on them. Yeah, so so the tank is easy, the the fuel line is easy, 
And how do you tune them, Dave? Like, what's your process? Uh, well, actually, I have one that I've never even touched. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> it's, it's got the factory tune on it, and it runs just fine. Yeah. Uh, but seriously, it's just like any other two-stroke gas engine or glow engine or whatever. You set the high end first for mm -hmm. wide open, back it off just a touch, yeah. and then uh, bring it back to idle and adjust idle. So you get a smooth idle and a good transition. Yeah. Uh, if you're familiar with the nitro two-stroke, then you can easily tune a gas, yeah. and they're nowhere near as sensitive. Exactly. Exactly what I was going to say. They're, they're really, really forgiving, in, yeah. in my opinion, especially the ones that are set up with uh, electronic ignition, because you're not trying to keep a glow plug lit. So they, they're a lot more forgiving of maybe an overly rich condition. And you set it and you forget it. Exactly. You hardly ever have to, like but, once they're set, they're usually good to go. And they're good in cold weather and hot weather. They don't very, very much. Not too much. You know, the nitros no. have got a significant swing on the idle uh, yeah. in cold versus hot weather. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can tell which airplane I flew last, well, January versus one I flew last week. Yeah. You know, it's going to be way out of whack. Um, the gas doesn't really seem to care. Um, yeah. Now, I do have one gas engine I do run way out of tune on purpose. On purpose. I know which one you're talking yeah. about, too. It's the uh, my line decker, mm -hmm. which doesn't need as a no, 23 in the nose. It's no. way too much motor for this airplane. But I leave it uh, way out of tune so it cracks and pops and carries on in flight just like the real one would. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds cool. Like, I think it sounds cool. Yeah. And it doesn't die because no, it just, it just keeps runs on so running. well. Yeah. And that other thing you brought up, too, was the, uh, the glow plug versus spark plug. Mm-hmm. Much cheaper. Yeah. And well, lasts yeah. much longer. Lasts quite a bit longer. Yeah. Yeah. Even in the Eindecker with the, the rich setting, I've never changed it. <laughs> I'm sure awesome. it's way carboned up by now. Yeah. yeah. But still. I mean, a I mean, steel brush. Still runs. I was going to say, yeah, you can even pull it out and run it through a sandblaster or something. You have a, yeah. a good enough to run. Exactly. Whereas with a $20 glow plug, yeah. you don't get to do that. It's good or it's bad. So... Dave, what are your thoughts on, I know like how I like to leave them, but like, do you leave the carburetors wet or do you run them dry? I shut it off and drain the gas out of it. Yep. That's yeah. it. Carburetors leave them, wet. Leave them wet. Yep. Well, that keeps the, the uh, what's the word? I, diaphragm? Diaphragm from drying out. Yeah. Yep. At least so. leaves oil on it. If exactly. Else. Yeah. Because there's oil in the fuel like there is with nitro, but yeah. that, that little bit of synthetic oil or whatever it is that uh, we put in there keeps that diaphragm supple. Is the word we're looking for. Which yeah. is a good question, too. What kind of oil do you run? Uh, so I buy the pre-mix stuff. I pay I pay the extra oh, money see, and I, I buy the pre-mix stuff. But yeah. uh, most guys I know, they either run uh, clots mm. or Redline. I uh, like the smell clots has got. So. Yeah, oh. I do, too. I run Redline. So, okay. so there you go. Although I've been wanting to go fly and didn't have any oil, and I had my generic weed whacker oil in the garage. And that works, too. <laughs> Mixed up a gallon <laughs> of generic weed yeah. whacker oil. I don't, you know, some off-brand and it works engine, just fine. engine didn't care. Any yeah. ashless oil will be fine. And yeah. speaking of ashless oil, no crud on your airplane. Did yeah. We minimal. talked about that already, yeah. but that's, that's so. I have to admit, like being a nitro guy, I, I still love nitro, but yeah, these, no mess. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I'm not going to go back <laughs> to the nitro thing again. So anyway, I think I've said it like every freaking episode for the last, I don't know how many that. Yeah. If you like nitro, that's great. Right. So that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. So how do you, what's your starting <laughs> procedure? So I know it'll be different between Magneto and electronic. The Magnetos is pretty simple. Um, uh, on the aircraft that I can reach the carburetor, I jam my thumb over the uh, carburetor inlet 
and uh, open it wide open throttle, and I flip it, making sure the ignition's off. Yes. Uh, I flip it through by hand until my thumb gets wet, mm-hmm. and then I take and uh, if it has a choke, I'll leave it fully choked, mm-hmm. full throttle, mm-hmm. and flip it until it coughs and gags a little bit. Yep. Usually it takes five or six flips. Yep. Uh, once it coughs or gags, I uh, bring it to idle, but idle trim all the way up, mm-hmm. shut off the choke, and usually, once again, within five or six flips, it's up and running. Yeah. And by putting your finger over the the inlet, you're making sure that all of the suction that is coming it from just the speeds motor up the choke is yeah, yeah is is sucking from the tank and so not we're the getting air from fuel the to the carburetor. Now, yeah. like my D seven, it's fully cowled. I cannot get to that carburetor, so I have to rely on the choke to do it. And that's the one that occasionally will need the starter mm-hmm. to draw fuel up to it. Does yeah. the choke plate have a hole in it? Yes, it does. I've thought Solder about JB holding up. Yeah, yeah, yep. I've yeah. That silly 40cc twin that's on my SBOC, same thing. Why would you put a hole in the choke plate? Like, I don't get that. I've never figured that out. So I'm going to solder that hole closed, and that'll make the process Because, I mean, it chokes just fine with my <laughs> thumb over idea. it. Why right. not? Exactly. But I do like that check that yeah. I can check to make sure it's got yeah. fuel to the carburetor. When my thumb's wet, I know True. there's fuel in the engine. Yep. Yeah. True. Uh, but the fully car- uh, cowled is a little more difficult. It takes a few more flips just because. Yeah. But yeah. no biggie. Yeah, I use the I use the same process with uh, with mine. Mine are all electronic ignition, um, but the same process. I you know close the choke, you know, and turn the ignition on. I don't even fiddle with trying to prime the carb. I just flip it until it coughs and gags, and then yeah, turn the choke off, turn it to idle, flip it until it's running, and that's easy. I mean, piece of cake. Yeah, I mean, there's not much more to say on that. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's really. so simple um, yep. because we know gas is the way to go. Yeah. <laughs> It is. I mean, it really is. It just makes sense. I mean, I'm a nitro guy, but the gas stuff, it's just sizing. Why? In the, in the bigger, kinda, yeah, the bigger yeah. airplanes, it just, uh, yeah, it just makes sense to me. Just the much more reliable operation is the big, yeah, I, I, and economical. <laughs> okay, so what about tr- uh, converting nitro engines to gasoline? Is so that I, a thing? It is a thing. Um, I've never done it. Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're CH ignitions. They make conversion kits for existing nitro engines. Um, I don't know what the lineup is because I I'm not, haven't researched it because yeah. I'm not interested in doing that. Um, but yeah, for some of the larger nitro engines, absolutely makes sense to convert them if the if you know if there's one out there. And there's some huh. conversion kits for uh, like Sato multi-cylinder uh, engines. I know Morris Mini Motors. I think he's out of the UK somewhere. Uh, he does a lot of that that kind of stuff, and he uses CH ignitions for those, and those things run awesome, at least according to his YouTube videos. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I would like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so a gas radial, that would be. Gas I mean, you can buy them. radial. Yeah, you can buy them, you know, from Sato that way now, too, but yeah, cool. It's thousands of dollars. But yeah, anyway. but the sound... Yeah, we still need to get somebody in our group to, <laughs> to buy get a, a Moki, a Moki four hundred, yeah, or even a awesome. two fifty. But yeah, anyway, uh, anything else? Just wanted to say yes, one more then. thing. Um, so, what makes a good donor? Like, if you're going to do an RC you know, oh, gas uh-huh. conversion, conversion. Uh, basically, basically anything in the thirty cc range seems to be the most popular. Like Home Light, I think they make a twenty five. That's pretty common uh, and pretty. Uh, uh, reliable, uh, the Ryobi 31, and then Poulan makes a 42. So anything in that range, when you get bigger than that, yeah, just 
you know, just just buy buy it, yeah. you know, DLE or a DA or whatever. So, uh, and engines to stay away from. Like I said in the like at the beginning here, uh, most of these things don't die because of the engine. They die because either the owners neglected the carburetors or the or whatever. Um, so, but stay away from anything that doesn't have a lot of compression. Like if it doesn't have good pop, you know, when you pull it through, then yeah, stay away from that. That was real. That was really it. That's all I want to say. Okay, Dave. Anything else? Uh, no, all good. I Sweet. Don't know if we forgot anything. If so, we'll well, I... we'll have to we'll figure it out next time, and somebody will tell us. Yeah. Um, like I said, don't forget we're going to be taking some time off. Our yeah. next episode will be our last one uh, for a little while. For a while. So yeah, about a month. Exactly so. a month. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just wanted to mention also since we're yeah. talking about that. Uh, if you want swag, we haven't hit this up in a while, but if you want anything with the RC Plane Lab logo on it. Uh, there's a link on our website to the swag store. Mm-hmm. Ron and your T-shirt reminded me. That's why. Oh yeah, I love. Ron is wearing his RC Plane Lab T-shirt. It's so comfortable. Looking, like I, I like looking it. stylish. Oh, that's the important part. Yes, stylish and comfortable. Exactly. Anyway, uh, okay. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Yep. Until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Tom, and I'm Dave. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.